Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'll Three, start. two, one. All right. Welcome to the podcast, the very first edition of Legalish, Legalish the podcast. We have almost 16,000 subscribers to our newsletter, and we've come a long way. And uh, I'm here today joined by my brother, Sean. Hi. We run Lynch LLP together. It's an intellectual property firm. And uh, we, ha- we have some good times, and we're going to share some interesting stuff with you today. Uh, we're mostly going to go over the last newsletter's contents, and we're going to put it in podcast format, so you can listen to it in your car, riding your bike, uh, doing whatever it is you do. <laughs> and you can struggle to visualize the patents we're about to describe. <laughs> yes. If you are a reader of the, if you're a reader of the newsletter, you, there are some interesting uh, visuals that go along with this. You should actually look it up, but we'll describe it for you, and we'll do colorful language so that you get the picture. Uh, my name is Brian Lynch. Uh, I'm an attorney here in San Diego. Sean is also an attorney, and Sean is also an engineer. That's he- right. So before law school, I did a master's and bachelor's in mechanical engineering, so I know at least a fraction of what I'm talking about when we talk about the patent stuff, um, but mostly we're just going to laugh at these things. Yeah, he's a real masochist. Uh, I think our dad called it the Lynch family tragedy it's when true. we all went to law school. <laughs> yeah, younger brother, electrical engineer, also law school. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Anyway, uh, don't go to law school, kids. <laughs> Save yourselves. Uh, so anyway, the last edition of Legalish is about uh, weird patents, um, and <laughs> the thing that comes to mind is that scene from Jurassic Park uh, where Ian Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm, is like, you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. And these are some examples of those inventions. <laughs> these are should nots, just to, to, be, to be clear, should not. Yeah, there's nothing in here that should get invented. We also get all kinds of like things that we find in the patent databases where it's like somebody had this like idea and they got tunnel vision for it and they went for it. And it like might not necessarily line up with like, you know, something that anybody would want to use, should use, or even like defies the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> and from the patent office's perspective, they want to see something new, novel, and non-obvious, and this first patent definitely qualifies. I, I, I don't think I've seen anything like this before, nor should we ever again. Yes, drumroll, it is an apparatus for facilitating the birth of a child by centrifugal force. <laughs> Just outstanding. Sean. All you have to do is look at the figures, and it, it tells a story in and of itself. So I'll, I'll do my best to describe it. There is something that looks like a cross... And there's a big circle around this cross. The T portion of the cross is clearly some sort of counterweight. And the human body goes on the lower portion. And what you see in the figure is a topless woman. First of all, when you're giving birth, do you really need to pop that shirt off? I don't know. I've never been there. Uh, <laughs> but she's kind of strapped to her thighs. A net to catch the fetus. Well, is it a fetus once it comes out? Oh, it's a baby when it comes out. Oh, sh- yeah. <laughs> okay, so to catch the <laughs> Catch the baby. So there's a net strapped to her upper thighs to catch the baby. Her thighs are up and her feet are up in stirrups, essentially. And uh, this sucker spins around that big circle. And the goal here, also, there's something over her face. It's all terrifying. The goal here is, of course, to spin you fast enough to uh, create an acceleration force toward the outside of the circle that's sufficient to, we'll call it in patent terms, motivate the object from within to without. <laughs> Yeah, basically it uh, flings a baby out of you by spinning you super fast in a circle like it's, uh, you know, like that they train astronauts for uh, the Apollo missions. Yeah, I, I got to speculate that if the baby's coming out, everything else is too. It's a fire sale in this 
<laughs> just umbilical bungee jumping without the net. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So the other part of it, it's got like a lever on it. So like you start in like a declined position and as you get spinning faster, you actually elevate. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you're on a ramp essentially. And the faster you spin, it's like if you spin a jump rope, eventually it's totally horizontal. So they envision this thing spinning fast enough that the poor woman on the ramp is eventually horizontal. And I don't know if you're in a birthing room and there's a splash zone and the splash zone is 360 degrees in any given direction. I have a feeling that your invention's not that good. Yeah, there's also no room for a doctor to get on this thing with you. So, like, it's a real solo effort. Like, they strap you in and they spin you until that baby's done and you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, to fix this, I think they needed to have a seat for the doctor on the far outside so the baby flies into the doctor's arms. <laughs> like a catcher's bit? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> better than that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's got like the full like baseball garb, like a face mask. I and one of my favorite parts of this, and Brian highlighted it, is uh, the the writing and the text of this patent. The specification says it is known that due to natural anatomical conditions, the fetus needs the application of considerable propelling force. Propelling force is that is that really the language we need to use for childbirth? Yeah, I don't think babies need to be propelled. <laughs> uh, but the other curious part about this, and the thing, the reason why I actually picked it out. Uh, there are two inventors and my initial reaction to looking at this monstrosity is like, there is no way a woman has ever touched this thing. And one of the inventors is actually a woman named Charlotte Blonsky. Yeah. The Blonskys had a real vision here. Yeah. For childbirth. And, uh, Brian, why don't you tell a story about how they came up with this? Yeah. So their husband and wife team and, uh, <laughs> they're engineers. They're not doctors. <laughs> oh God. What have we done? <laughs> uh, it's actually kind of like a cute sort of story. They went to the zoo and they're at the Bronx Zoo and they're looking at the elephants and the elef- one of the elephants is giving birth and they watch this elephant kind of twirling in a circle and they, they thought that meant that like some sort of spinning centripetal force was necessary to get the baby out of the elephant. And instead of thinking about like any of the reasons why the elephant might be doing that, like like, even if that were true, it's a four-legged animal. Like, it's not going to cross over to a bipedal human being, necessarily. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, like, I actually went on, like, a like down a rabbit hole, like, YouTube rabbit hole, looking at elephants giving birth, because I was like, is that really a thing that they do? <laughs> uh, and, like, no need for you to do that, because it's kind of, I mean, the miracle of childbirth is never, like, a pretty sight, I guess. <laughs> it's uh, all over YouTube. Yeah, uh, but elephants just kind of wiggle around and like walk walk around. Like to, it's just kind of one of those things where they're not very comfortable, so they move around a bit. And then the baby actually takes like a pretty big fall. It's like a 250 pound baby that like falls like to the ground. Um, but twirling is not necessarily a part of it. So I think they were just looking at an elephant in captivity in a small space that had nowhere to wiggle. So that's what it did. So, anyway, in true engineering fashion, I guess. It's like aliens coming down to Earth, catching us on our absolute worst day and deciding that's how they do it. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this poor elephant. But it's like a terrible day. Total, total engineer logic, though. It's like, oh, well, that's how it is. So this is what we'll do for people. <laughs> yeah, to our knowledge, this thing's never been used. Thank God. 
but uh, it, it's out there, and, and uh, we encourage you guys to look at the uh, the, the drawings because it's as hysterical as as um, it's more hysterical than we could possibly describe it to be. Yeah, they also um, they won an award for this. They won something called an ignoble prize. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, so the ignoble prizes go out to like like these kinds of types types of inventions, uh, th- things, ideas, and studies that probably shouldn't have been done. <laughs> Uh, so they won one, but it's a posthumous one. Uh, I was really hoping that we might be able to interview them, but uh, they passed away, you know, many years ago. Uh, yeah, the 1960s were a wild time for uh, childbirthing, I guess. <laughs> uh, you want to move on to the next one? Sure, let's do it. All right, so this next one, Sean sent it to me when I was in a coffee I shop. I think every young patent practitioner knows about time machine software. <laughs> I was in a coffee shop and Sean, I don't even know what he was looking for. Uh, he sent me this thing and I immediately started cracking up looking at the artwork. I mean, this is one of those ones that's passed down from practitioner to practitioner over the, the eons. Uh, and you just see the first picture, the front page. They, they selected a figure for publication and they picked a man with what looks like, you know, a very blocky like ray gun. He's got a big old, it's a stick figure. He's got a smiling face. And uh, four dotted lines extending from the gun. Okay, all right, so clearly time machine. That's the first thing I think of. Figures 3A and 3B are that same man shifted to the right and then shifted to the left in 3B. Um, and then there's a figure for his brain activity. Oh, yeah, we show brain activity. <laughs> brain activity, I don't know if you've ever been to a doctor's office, but they t- <laughs> typically represent this as an oval with a series of X's therein. So we got, we... No. <laughs> We have B1, uh, B2, B3. B1 has two X's in the oval. B2 has three X's in the oval. And B3 has three X's, but arranged differently. Yeah, you would think that for brain activity, they would have a picture of a brain that looked like an MRI or something. This guy was like, no. <laughs> no, we're doing ovals. We're doing ovals with X's, and that will be the brain activity. I can't figure out what's going on. It makes no sense. It's not even like worth delving into. But I, I, think, I think it's a good time to point out that this never issued as a patent. This is a publication, which means anybody, anybody can file patents. Not all of them issue. The Blonskys were, um, they were determined enough that they actually got their invention awarded. And to, to their credit, I mean, it is an invention. It's not a use. <laughs> Nobody used it. But the USPTO said, yeah, new, novel, and obvious. We got you. Uh, these guys, the, whoever examined this application probably thought, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So let me read what it says uh, from the application. Uh, They call it a method and system for creating human robots with psychic abilities, as well as enabling a human robot to access information in a time machine to predict the future accurately and realistically. The present invention provides a robot with the ability to accomplish tasks quickly and accurately without using any time. This permits a robot to cure cancer, fight a war, write software, read a book, learn to drive a car... Draw a picture or solve a complex math problem in less than one second. So this guy got blasted and thought, what if AI was really good? (laughs) But like, why is fight a war and read a book? (laughs) Like, why are these similar activities? Yeah, I, I, why would I it, got nothing, man. I got nothing. Why would it need to read a book? I don't know. Well, it's got to read Sun Tzu before it can fight the war. <laughs> <laughs> I drive a car. I don't know. Solve a complex math problem in less than a second. But well, all of, well, I love that all of these have to be done in less than a second. That that same list include, include fight a war. Less than one second. Would it be like negative <laughs> seconds? This is going back in time. Also, like, I don't know. 
future it's going to predict the predict things accurately and realistically if it's accurate wouldn't it necessarily be realistic i don't know uh this kind of sounds like the premise of the foundation books but then taken to some <laughs> thc and fueled level beyond this is actually where uh alligator loki comes from <laughs> <laughs> somehow this guy's invention <laughs> it's it's all part of that continuum uh, so the next one that we have, it's actually, this is a fun one to me because, uh, what was it? It was patented on my birthday in the 1800s and I call it the not so modest mousetrap. And so this is a contraption. It's a mousetrap. Uh, and what you're thinking of, of a mousetrap is the kind of thing where it's like, you know, spring loaded, you like take it back, <laughs> you know, you put, <laughs> put some bait on it. Uh, yeah. Imagine that. But and you know how, like when you like let that thing go, it like cracks your finger and it hurts and you're like, ah, oh, wow. So that, that, that was painful. Uh, this one is a 50 caliber revolver. So <laughs> this, <laughs> this mouse walks up to the, walks up to a spring loaded, like hand cannon and trips this spring loaded, gun and it fires a bullet and atomizes this rodent i mean the the trigger discipline in the picture alone is hysterically bad it's a it's a cocked back it shows a fuzzy black mouse standing right at the right at the end of the barrel and that mouse is about to be turned into vapor but doesn't have a chance don't set one of these up by your christmas presents in the attic because you're not going to have a foot anymore if you're not careful yeah yeah in your normal mouse trap if it goes off it hurts your finger if this one goes off when you're trying to set it like you you've lost your hand (laughs) it's gone absolute catastrophe of advice but i will say i suspect it would eliminate your pest problem <laughs> <laughs> definitely is gonna kill the mouse. The mouse and anything around it is gonna, it's gonna be gonna dead. It's gonna kill your mouse, your cat, your dog. Blast a hand, a foot. I mean, anything goes. <laughs> yeah. If you set it up wrong, like it's not gonna stop when it travels through the mouse. It's gonna go like it's gonna go through your door, through the walls, into the baseboards, or into your neighbor's house. <laughs> it's like the stray bullet machine. Uh, and actually, even in the uh, the patent, it says that this invention may also be used in connection with a door or window as to kill any person or thing opening the door or window <laughs> God. to which it is attached. And it does. It says any person or thing opening the door or window. Yeah. Okay. So they, they expressly encouraged illegal behavior. Also, any person or thing. What thing? It's like Sasquatch coming to your window. I think it's Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons <laughs> looking for a new home. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I am here to tell you now that uh, modern case law says that is not cool. Not, not even modern case law. Ancient case law. <laughs> says not yeah. So we actually struggled. Society, American society struggled with whether or not you could set up spring loaded guns to defend property. Uh, and it's a case called Catco versus Briny. Um, and basically, you know, people were setting up these gun traps or whatever, and it hadn't really come to a head. But uh, this one person set, like had this like abandoned farm kind of area, which was full of his stuff. And he thought it was like antiques or valuable or something. And the townsfolk, who I guess were bored and unemployed or something, uh, were breaking into like barns and stuff and like scavenging, like kind of this like exploring because I have nothing better to do. Um, and so uh, this guy Catco goes into Briny's farm, and Briny discovers that there's been on this this unwanted activity, so he sets up a gun. And instead of <laughs> like all of a sudden it dawns on him that like oh wait this might not be cool, 
uh, to just blast somebody's brain out with like a full on shotgun. He sets it up so that it's aimed like at their legs. Uh, so Catco comes along and he's like, oh, there's a no trespassing sign now. And there's like some stuff up on the windows, but like, whatever, I can still get in. So he gets in and he opens the door to one of the bedrooms and gets his leg blasted. Uh, and from the Wikipedia article, it says much of Catco's leg, including part of the tibia, was blown away. Only by his friend's assistance was Catco able to get out of the house. The gunshot wound was sufficiently severe to require hospitalization, which I thought was a funny clarification from the Wikipedia authors because I was unclear until now whether missing your tibia was bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, put a Band-Aid on it and get some, get some Neosporin on that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the court finds it's uh, your property rights in an unoccupied building don't give you the green light to annihilate anyone that comes along. Yeah, you may not protect property uh, rights with lethal force. You're not allowed to do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody says castle law. You can't, I mean, you can't just kill people to protect belongings. Yeah. So anyway, spring-loaded guns, like, not cool. Maybe in the 1800s in Texas where they blast rodents, it was at one point okay? Yeah, the rodent blast or whatever, but... Yeah. <laughs> Cat Covey Briney is 1971. This is one of those cases that everybody that goes to law school uh, absolutely learns about, and that's where you learn you cannot protect your personal belongings with lethal force. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. It's uh, bad for you. It's bad for your neighbors. It's bad for so society. It, and if you're wondering if Mr. Briney felt any sort of regret whatsoever, uh, from the Wikipedia article, four years after the case was decided, Edward Briney was asked if he would change anything about the situation. Briney replied, there's one thing I'd do different, though. I'd have aimed that gun a few feet higher. So pr- probably not. God, <laughs> what a sociopath. <laughs> so, yeah, he, uh, he was maybe not such a wholesome character. No, well, he's like the tibia blaster 9000, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny to me that when he's setting that thing up, he has like a moment of like, oh, maybe I'm going too far. <laughs> it's like I'll just blast their legs off. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> totally reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, that's all the content we have today. Um, please sign up for our podcast, subscribe to it. Uh, thank you for reading Legalish. All 16,000 of you just about. Um, I'm Brian Lynch. I'm Sean Lynch, and I guess we can both say um, check out Lynch LLP, a uh, benevolent contributor to this uh, wonderful podcast. Never met the guys. They sound wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lynch LLP. We do intellectual property work. uh, Throw us your tired, hungry patents and stuff. Yeah, I do. I do patents. Brian does trademarks, and uh, we're going to talk about more funny stuff in a week or two. Oh, we should maybe talk about, uh, let's see a little teaser here. At one point in time, we were experts in unicorn law. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That should be that should be a good one. Copyright and unicorns. Maybe we can get uh, our other brother Connor in on this. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Until next time. <laughs>